Welcome back, True Believers. My name is Jack. I'm one of your hosts, and thank you very much for downloading episode 44 of The Ultimate Spin, the one and only Spider-Man podcast specifically for fans of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. This is Brian, and in this episode, we're excited to welcome special guest Jordan Calhoun, writer and editor of BlackNerdProblems.com, to catch up with the Earth-65 holiday cheer of Spider-Gwen number 15, and then Miles' dad finds himself back in the world of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Spider-Man number 11. As always, don't forget to hit up ultimatespinpodcast.com where you can find previous episodes, find all of our show notes, subscribe to us, and of course, connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. This show is by fans and for fans, meaning we want to hear what you think of these characters and their stories. Drop us a line and join the conversation. And welcome to the show, Jordan. Thanks for having me, guys. Really good to be here. I've been a Gwen Stacy fan since, you know, since the jump. And it's really good to talk with other fans about what's been going on in the series. It's been fun. We had Omar on the show previously talking about Miles, and it's great to have you guys. Um, kind of talking about these books as well, because I feel like compared to a lot of the other Marvel titles, not enough people are talking about Miles and Gwen. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what you think, Jordan. <laughs> Glad to share it. I have opinions, and that's why I'm a writer. <laughs> that needs so to be many opinions. Like. <laughs> exactly. That goes, <laughs> that goes on the gravestone. So many opinions, and that's why he was a writer. Uh, so before we get into it, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, being a writer, some of the stuff you've, you've been doing uh, blacknerdproblems.com as well? Yeah, absolutely. So BMP has been around for, I think, we're three years now. We've established quite a, a nice following on the internet in our little corner of diversity and nerd culture. So it's been a really fun adventure there. Um, I write, so right now I write primarily when I'm writing articles, I'm doing it for BMP, doing comic reviews and movie reviews and things like that. Um, I'm also working on a couple of books. Uh, one of them has been submitted to publishers recently. It's a graphic novel. So we'll see how that turns out if anyone's interested in buying that. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, a whole lot of writing in the evening outside of my day job, you know, but BMP takes up an exorbitant amount of time. And that I don't consider a job because it's just geeking out over the things that we like to to talk about anyway. Just a lot of pop culture, comics, movies, things like that. So it's been uh, it's it's a great vacation, I guess. The way that comics are from your regular life, writing is a great vacation from you know my normal uh, my normal career. Is I work at an education nonprofit. I work in in nonprofits and in, in education. Um, but this is this is a great way for me to bond with my students and just get uh get away and do what I ultimately want to do in life, which is write all of those opinions. Awesome. So shall we get right into it and uh, see what's going on with Gwen in uh, Spider-Gwen number 15? Absolutely. It might have been a while since uh, you guys read the issue, so we'll kick things off with a little bit of a recap, uh, catch up on what's been going on in this issue, and then we can get into it. So uh, I guess I drew this short straw, Jack. Absolutely. You are. I mean, I always like to pass it over to you because you are the master. Me and Kyle have screwed up, and I feel like me and <laughs> no, Kyle have made a somewhat, a somewhat of a redemption recently. Yeah, when I first fine. appeared on the show, and Kyle for for quite a few episodes really always messed it up. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. if if I get a chance to pass the baton back to you, Brian, I, I I always do that. You are you are considerably better at it than than anyone else. <laughs> nah, that nah, poor guy's not even here to defend himself. I know that's why I'm ribbing. That's why. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> All right, Spider Gwen number fifteen. Gwen is still dealing with the pressure of limited power-ups to act as Spider-Woman when she's summoned by the Kingpin only to be blindsided by a ninja attack. 
She's forced to power up, only to learn that Murdoch and the Superior Silk have an arrangement, ahem, where he can now supply unlimited power-ups as long as Gwen continues to work for him. Meanwhile, George gets some much-needed moral support from an officer that, thanks to Gwen, learned to appreciate that when it comes to the Spider-Woman case, he was only trying to do the right thing all along. Good old Officer Boyle. Officer Boyle. What a nice guy. (laughs) I I I really like these little kind of throwaway characters who pop up very occasionally in this book. And Robbie and Jason and Rika have this brilliant way of kind of getting you to care about these people in a page or a couple of panels. And, uh, yeah, I, I really love that. That little, um, We'll get to that later on. That's kind of the, the ending. But, uh, yeah, it, it's nice to be kind of out of this holiday special thing. This felt more like a return to normal. God, me. yes. yes. <laughs> Jordan, think, um, do you have uh, something to say about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I don't know uh, how you guys feel about the holiday issues, but I loathe them. Mm. Like they were, uh, I, I was not a fan at all of the the Halloween one or the Thanksgiving one. I just couldn't wait for them to be over. So this one was really a return to normalcy for me. This was back to the main story plot where we're actually like getting the development that we had expected previously. Um, it seemed like the other two for me were throwaways in between an arc uh, that we have now and an arc, the previous one that I wasn't um, the biggest fan of. I liked it, but it was, it was probably the weakest one that I've read so far in my opinion. So, uh, I don't think I would be as frustrated with it if I cared more about the uh, the weapon of choice arc, the Punisher arc. Um, but I thought that one wasn't quite what I where I was hoping that it would go. So then having two holiday issues between that just seemed like overkill for someone like me who doesn't like those standalone issues that are more mm-hmm. you know lighthearted and silly. You and I are on the same sort of lines there, Jordan, I think. I was reading, funny enough, I was reading your review um, a few days ago of this issue on Black No Problems, and I was like, oh, thank God, somebody else. Because I, I was kind of an outlier on this show. I was like, I do not like, I don't care about Halloween. I'm English. <laughs> I barely know what Thanksgiving is. Like, <laughs> I, I was I, kind of like feeling kind of bad that I was bringing such negativity to the show. Because usually, you know, we, we try to keep as positive as well. There's enough bad things happening on twitter about comics that you know <laughs> we try and bring some positivity when we can and i was just like oh this was rubbish i don't care about this and oh i don't care about that and i yeah. felt kind of guilty and i read your review and i was like thank god and somebody else feels <laughs> the same as i do and, and we're, we're yeah. back on form so this episode will be considerably more positive <laughs> yeah i just wanted to weather the storm because we know what the potential is we know what the what the standard sort of baseline yeah. is for a spider gwen comic and that's better than most comics in my opinion so Absolutely. because i loved it so much i was like ah let's just weather the storm and then get back to the normal story plot and once we get back to the normal story plot then everything will be good again so this issue issue 15 was that sort of promise of getting back to normalcy and getting back into the regular swing of what's going on with her and her father and daredevil and everything that we're we were looking forward to and we're excited about from several issues ago i'm so glad to have matt murdoch back he's this earth 65 matt murdoch might be my first earth favorite earth 65 character like he's so just intimidating just by being there just standing there and we talked about um the way he carries himself, the way that the art just has him like straight back, then he's never moving an inch if he doesn't need to. It's this fantastic kind of 
really intimidating, but he's not a big guy, but he manages to carry himself like he is. And then, I mean, that mask. Can we talk about that mask? Oh, my gosh. Jeez. That was such a Oof. holy crap moment. Terrifying. That was so. So I didn't see him as a very. Uh, I didn't really feel too much either way about Matt Murdock, the Earth Six Five version, until that mask. Like until uh, I didn't. That made him domineering. That gave him. Uh, that gave him a lot more personality. I think in the intimidation factor than we'd seen in the past, where he's like mussing her hair and he's making jokes and like you can tell that he has this confidence, this arrogance about him. But now it's just like he's actually sort of like sinister in this as well and the surprise that cindy is in this issue not what i was expecting she's that was a great call back back, yeah that's yeah i love that too because it's it's such a such a great uh like world building aspect that the whole spider women crossover wasn't this throwaway event it's not just Mm, the outcome you know with gwen dealing with the the whole lost powers thing but you've got more characters more toys in the toy box to play with and so why not bring her back and she's literally the first panel after the recap. Yeah. <laughs> just sat there and I'm like, wait, wait, what? Why are we here? What's going on? <laughs> this is a secret shield prison. What on earth is going on? And then, oh. and then suddenly the uh, Daredevil sticks come flying out of nowhere and smashing all the the uh, like helmets and stuff. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So good. That it's, was, it's that such a, whole thing like was a, awesome. Like a, a gross moment as well. They don't just kiss. They like eat each other's faces. Weird, like creepy PDA kind of thing where you just like, you know, when evil characters kiss, they really kiss. And you, that's when you tell they're really evil. And normal, normal heroes are like, oh, thank you for saving me. I love you. And there's like a, a hug and a bit of a kiss. But evil guys like go for it. Yeah. And, and and so does Cindy apparently. <laughs> um, oh man, it's so good to have them back, and I, I really like the way it kind of builds up, goes back to Gwen, and then you get the the one kind of ninja show up, Otomo, and then it builds up later on to like a bigger conflict, and Matt himself shows up and kind of oh man it, it, it's a really well-paced issue and like you said jordan this doesn't feel like filler at all the in my i agree with you the last two did no and this feels like this is integral to the story this is the next yeah thing. this is setting up the next big thing and we'll get to it later on but the, the powers are kind of coming back and that's the whole kind of culmination of the weapon of choice thing right amazing i think as well yeah, for sure. I think if anything, it was it was it paid off just the single issue with the like in the early ends of an arc paid off in a way that I was hoping Weapon of Choice would have paid off. Like we're 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 getting a progression here. We're getting Cindy brought back in, who I think is an amazing character, who's great. Um, we're having Cindy brought in. We're seeing her deal with her power loss and what that might look like in the future, which is what I was hoping for with the end of Weapon of Choice. Is like getting diving more into all right. She she lost her powers. What is this going to look like in the future? What, Where is this concern going to go? How is she going to continue to be Spider-Gwen? Give us more of a hint there. And now we have that hint there as the issue ends and she's got more power-ups and she's basically going to be set up to be a, a, a tool for Matt Murdock and she has to decide how much she wants to be Spider-Gwen and sacrifice her morals and be a, a pawn for an evil person or is she willing to sacrifice all of that to do what's right? And that's sort of a defining decision that she has to make as a hero and that's really really interesting to me that's really really great so i think this issue 15 really gave us a whole lot more um plot wise like it 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 wasn't even close to filler it it 
really uh, move things forward in a way that I'd been looking forward to for a while. And Cindy is the sh- I love Cindy. Like Cindy, Cindy. I, I love Cindy ever since uh, uh, the end of of Spider Woman uh, Alpha or Omega, whichever one was the end one, uh, Omega, I think, um, mm-hmm. where she beat the hell out of out of Gwen. But even before she beat the hell out of Gwen, uh, when Gwen, <laughs> in all of her like Spider Gwen confidence, punched her in the face and was like, "Lady, I've been looking forward to this like all day." And she punched her in the face, and Gwen just looked at her and was like sweetheart like she, <laughs> yeah she yeah. felt she felt so bad for her that she couldn't fight and then she pummeled her it was the <laughs> best fight that i had seen because you got to see her take down spider gwen's wit and cut her down to size but then also showing gwen's heart and that she kept getting up and wanting to fight that was that was really great so to see that pulled back into issue 15 and bringing cindy back as a character and someone who spider gwen is going to be absolutely terrified of but who hasn't really come in contact with yet in this new arc that's going to be that's something to look forward to i love the blend of uh humor and drama visually in this issue. I think Robbie's uh, choreography for the ninja fight was outstanding. Um, But I love the latest Gwen sort of costume variant where she's got the jacket over the costume. Like she had the sweater, I think in the annual, which had me laughing out loud, but just looking ridiculous with that Brown overcoat. And yet the fight is so intense. Yeah. It's this this great kind of dynamic that they have where they have, you know, we're talking about big things. We talk about the themes of this and her dealing with, her loss of powers and is it is it Gwen Stacy who that makes her and that resolve and that you know willingness to do the right thing that makes her Spider Woman or is it her superpowers? They're these big themes and there's visual gags throughout and she's still quipping and then she'll be like she'll make a bunch of jokes at an issue and then halfway through get punched halfway through a joke and stuff like that. It's it's brilliant and and you're right, Brian. They have these really silly designs. I mean the the Christmas jumper from. Um, so the the Thanksgiving jumper from before was was weird and and I, I don't know if this was like a a conscious choice of hers to wear that jacket just or just because it's cold I guess but then it kind of ties into yeah her whole costume gets cut up and stuff and oh man yeah and seeing her wounded yeah it's really intense by the end I loved it and Otomo is kind of terrifying these ninjas are like legit scary now. <laughs> Because they were kind of, with the Frank Castle thing, again, we had the ninjas attacking Frank Castle, like, what's that? Issues and issues ago now. And he had the donut eyes, and it was all kind of like, things exploding, and it's all a bit wacky. And now, one ninja shows up, absolutely, near, basically, could kill Gwen if he really wanted to. And you get that kind of sense that, you know, Matt and the hand are now taken things seriously and he's stepped up to the next level and as much as you get the kind of humor still matt murdoch is taking himself a little bit more seriously still with the arrogant quips but yeah he seems to be taking gwen a little bit more seriously and and showing her where she stands i guess in like the the pecking order if you will yeah dude had bars too dude was like (laughs) commit a dozen lifetimes to training her and her ancestors (laughs) and still this white girl (laughs) could never become ninja like that was that was a a great line in its seriousness and making him seem you know he, he was also very uh domineering in his silence uh but it was also hilarious i mean you you talked about the choreography brian there's some of these action shots and the kind of the first 
panelled like that that page where she's stood on top of the rooftop and um just kind of freaking out about the cold and stuff and then he appears out of nowhere and that kind of faded shadow in the background and then the kick and the yep. huge arc like the I think it says boap or something like that across the where he kicks her sliding across the snow. These amazing sound effects that Robbie gets in there. And you get another one at the end of that page as she goes flying in the other direction. And, ah, man, so, so good. I want to go back to what uh, Jordan was saying earlier about the sort of holiday trilogy as a whole. I mean, I will be the first to admit that it was, you know, overall maybe more style over substance. But I agree, this is the most successful of the three. I think I like how sort of Christmas was used as the sort of backdrop, yet you still have the sort of generic holiday theme of, you know, we should be good to each other and that sort of thing. The whole uh, thing between Gwen and Boyle and her dad. That was a really, uh, like, sweet way to tie it together. Yeah. I love I love those throwaway characters. And he has this great moment where he just kind of can't stop talking. You know, you get those characters that's just like, oh, my God, yeah, it's the best. And uh, I really love you, Dad. And we promise we're not all bad guys. And Spider-Woman's okay. And then I really like... He was like a father to us. And everything's great. And he's just kind of rambling on and on and on and Gwen's like okay yeah sure and maybe (laughs) you should go and see him instead maybe you should be telling my dad this and not me he's like right yeah okay and you get that kind of even without Gwen having to go and see her dad again you get that bonding moment still with the the reveal at the end of the the dad cop um present so good the novelization Let me ask you a question, though, on, on, on those throwaway characters for you, Jack. Go ahead. So I, I, feel, I, I feel the same about the throwaway characters as you, that they're used very, very well to bring out certain emotional tones that you otherwise wouldn't have. I feel like they're also, though, a substitute because she doesn't have a steady, not sidekick, but another, like, a consistent emotional, like, best friend. Like, yeah, absolutely. No one in the Mary Janes is that person that I would have expected them to be in terms of, like, the confidant, the, the person who is not in the superhero world, but whom she trusts and can talk to about these things. Um, even right now, she's dealing with all these, all the power loss, and they know that she's Spider-Gwen, but they don't know that she's dealing with power loss because she doesn't have anyone to talk to. The only insight we get into her like her internal struggle is her narration like that's basically it right so how would how do you feel in terms of those throwaway characters versus having a consistent like if glory or someone were that were that person would you prefer the temporary like you know the boils and the characters who have an emotional impact and then leave the story to come back later on or would you prefer it to be the same person consistently do you have any preference there um, I, it's funny you bring that up actually, cause we're going to talk about miles later on in the show and get, I've said this before many times, Ganky is my favorite character in that book. And it's because he's that recurring character. You really build a bond in the same way that miles does between right. the reader and Ganky. And I think, yeah, you're totally right. If they could get, I mean, we got the Mary Janes, they kind of stood up to the plate and, and kind of had some spotlight in them in the Halloween issue and we had them right. going through the haunted house and stuff and they had some amazing moments. Yeah. And yeah, I, if if anything that was that would be the one thing that maybe I would add to this book. And I, I know she's kind of going on a kind of a personal journey with her dad and stuff like that, but there's no reason you can't have those moments kind of like Miles does where he'll be dealing with a like a supervillain or whatever and then the next page is him in his dorm room with Ganky. You could have her right, hanging out right. with Mary Janes. We do have them like very, very briefly show up, but they always show up for like 
a page and they're playing a gig and then they disappear again and that's about it. So yeah, I, that's actually a really good idea, Jordan. I like the idea of one or two of them or the whole band kind of being there a little bit more consistently and, and kind of being there for, for Gwen. And like you said, now that they kind of know but kind of don't know that she's Spider-Woman, that, that adds another wrinkle to the relationship as well. So yeah, it'd be nice to have her have a more kind of consistent supporting cast outside of just her dad occasionally of course may parker and ben parker show up but again they've kind of been in and out a little bit there's not been one consistent person that's always been george and now george is behind bars we're kind of missing that that dynamic and that father-daughter dynamic that was such a key part of the earlier arcs i don't know though i think there there's some there might be a different significance to Boyle in this case. Uh, I mean, we had talked to Jason earlier this year about the book, and one of the comments I found really interesting was he said, this w- book isn't about a Stacy, but rather the Stacys. So he, yeah. he viewed George as an equal part of the book. And I think putting George in prison for standing up for his beliefs, it was almost, I looked at the whole Boyle thing as a mor- like a much-needed morale boost for him, mm. because... Gwen can say, you know, I'm there for you. You're my dad and I love you. But for him to hear that kind of support from one of his fellow officers, I thought was pretty significant. So I I, I would hope that Boyle is not a throwaway character. He'll come back. But if he is willing to uh, sort of offer his support to George, you know, maybe he won't be the only one. Maybe he could kind of build that support for him going forward. Like, who knows? Like, you never know. Like I was saying, you never know where this book is going to go. But I think this might be more significant than just like an Ashuk's kind of coda to the story. We've met other officers throughout the series, and it would be nice to see them show up again and and some of them support George. Maybe we see his kind of like conflict with some of them saying, actually, you did the wrong thing. And I, I think they mentioned in this issue that he had... Like the the chief of police says, oh, we, we're not allowed to support you or whatever, and they've kind of condemned him or whatever. But knowing that he does have support in the kind of in the the ranks, as it were, that would that would be a good kind of turn. Because I, ha- I have no idea where this whole thing for George is going. Like, I don't know if he's going to... You assume he's going to get free at some point, but we don't know how how Matt Murdock's going to be tying into that. And, and Matt kind of set it up with the I can take down Foggy Nelson. So we've got the kind of legal battle thing coming up and how much of that we're going to see, we don't know. It's, it's, in, it's interesting where this book is going. And then, of course, without getting into too far ahead of ourselves, we've got Miles showing up out of absolute <laughs> thin air and these two books crossing over and interrupting each other and who knows what else. So, yeah. I'm, actually, I'm, actually I'm let's intrigued. let's get into it. Jordan, what's your whole take on, on Miles? <laughs> <laughs> We were doing these books together in the same show well before <laughs> the kiss heard around the world, as Marvel called it, um, was ever a, was ever a thing. And we were like, well, this is our moment. This is ultimate spin. The comic book, this is... <laughs> like, they're literally creating logos for us. Like, the, the cover art is things that we would be using. And this is amazing. And, like... Maybe I've gone a bit ahead of myself because I'm right. of this show, <laughs> and I'm like haven't actually thought things through. But do, like, do you as as a like you said, you kind of fallen behind on Miles, but you're a big Gwen fan. Does that For affect sure. how you do? You want to see them, you know, going steady? Do you want to see them have a little bit of a fling and a kind of like, hey, I'm Spider Man, hey, I'm Spider Woman, typical superhero thing? What, what's your kind of take on the whole crossover relationship? Kiss heard around the world 
catastrophe. I I am going to sound like a jaded old man, I guess, <laughs> when I say this, which is going to be unfortunate. But I'm 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 really over for the most part uh, crossovers. Um, oh, join so, join the club. So. Join, yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I, you know, we try to keep it positive, as you said earlier. I don't want to be just you know tearing down anyone's happiness. Well, yeah, for those people who are excited for it. I'm not. Um, I'm not against it. I'm not excited for it. I'm one of those like we'll see how this goes. I wouldn't want it to be anything that lasts so long that the the gimmick of it takes over from mm. their individual stories because they're yeah. on their own past. They have their own stories. I would rather see those fleshed out since that's what we've been building towards. That's what this investment in the characters has been. And I feel like any extended period of, of them crossing over and their lives being too much intertwined, I think is Marvel cashing in on a gimmick. And, and that I don't think serves anyone that well. I mean, besides marvel's pockets i i don't think it serves the story that well and that's what i care about more so if it does happen i think it's it's cool as a, a a crossover i think it's cool like even as a gimmick they serve their purposes and they're fun but anything that would be outliving its welcome it would be you know you already had the suspicion um that spider women was going to be a throwaway crossover mm-hmm. right and that's a very fair suspicion to have because it very well could have been one of those things where oh let's put them all together let's you know sell a trade and then let's move on (laughs) i i i if they do cross over uh let it be short let it be fun and then let them go back to their original stories yeah i think we're getting six issues out of it yes three of each isn't it i think yep which isn't crazy it's not yeah that's i i think that's sort of the the higher end like my limit of what i would be uh happy with <laughs> but we've seen we've seen much worse dude yeah we've seen, it's, it was, we, it was um, for sure oh what was it it was forever evil the dc one from like three years ago i want to say was like 12 issues plus another 10 tie-ins or something like that and they were like integral tie-ins to the whole story and ended up being like a total of like 19 20 issues totally it was yeah. absolutely crazy and and yeah i'm kind of glad this isn't a big thing because as we're going to talk about when we get to spider-man number 11 civil war 2 has not left me in a good place i don't think it left anyone in a good place <laughs> I think we've all been abused. We've all been abused by so many crossovers <laughs> that we we inherently have this sort of PTSD towards them. We always we, yeah. we have this negative like, oh, another crossover. We don't give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. Whereas it's something that previously you would be excited about. Now you're just like, oh, I've been hurt too much. So for this, I I I don't again. I don't blame Marvel at all. I think it's it's too perfect not to give them a crossover. I mean, here you have a very popular young woman hero, and on the other end you have a minority male hero. Like they're going to make an interracial relationship, and this is in the time where diversity is such a a, a, a high profile issue of discussion in the comic book community and the larger entertainment community as well. This 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 is going to sell. This is going to get interest. This is going to get people like us talking about it and get people like us, you know, critiquing it and excited for it and ready to see what they do with it. I just hope they don't abuse that because you can tell when they're milking it. You can tell it doesn't take long. <laughs> yeah. It becomes so obvious. So, like, if all of a sudden, you know, Spider Gwen's individual problems are all solved for the purpose of their like mutual conflict and nothing that we've been reading so far really ties into it in any significant way. 
and the same thing happens for Miles, then then we know like we know that we've been like uh, I don't know how PG we keep this, but like we've been getting a <laughs> for like fifteen issues just in service <laughs> of 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 this like crossover. Like like nobody wants <laughs> no one wants that. So I, I feel like it, it's really obvious whenever that does happen. Uh, by then they've already taken our money and they don't really care. That's usually how these crossovers go. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully they do it thoughtfully. Um, and then get back to our regularly scheduled programming. That's my hope. Good luck editing that for the kids, Brian. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All new Marvel. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So let's wrap up. Spider-Gwen number 15. Um, we don't give scores out of 10 on this show. We try to give a three-word summary, whether that's three random words that kind of summarize yeah, your emotions and your feelings about the thing, or you try and make a, a clever little quip, as uh, many of us have tried and some of us have failed to do in the past. Um, Brian, why don't you hit me with your three words for Spider-Gwen number 15? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say sly stylish sweet okay jordan how about you back to normal and thank god <laughs> love it <laughs> you get two of them there <laughs> you could have either one and thank god or back yeah and thank god <laughs> i'm gonna go back to normal man back to normal which is great for spider gwen that's that normal is a very high bar see i had back on track so <laughs> you totally you totally stole, stole my thunder <laughs> um but yeah i think this is the strongest issue we've had in a while and i'm so excited to see where this goes like i said like you said brian this is maybe the most unpredictable book i'm reading right now and i'm reading some some weird stuff from other publishers as well and this this is kind of it's impressive for a superhero book to be as unpredictable and as kind of freewheeling as this series can be so i am so excited to see what we're going to get from the miles crossover and speaking of miles it's time to not talk about civil war 2 hey round of applause applause. everybody oh my god hallelujah (laughs) praise the comic gods (laughs) we don't have to talk about captain america or captain marvel or any of the other captains anymore we're back to miles sort of sort of um i'll take the recap on this one um and I'll, I'll try and do it in like five or six seconds i guess <laughs> no um so jordan did you did you read this no i did not okay go on without me team i'm just gonna be listening all right basically no miles in this issue it's all jefferson and jefferson kind of reconvening and trying to rejoin um shield he meets of course dum dum dugan director hill um goes on a kind of VR kind of mission with Black Cat and Tombstone and it all kind of goes horribly wrong but actually turns out it went pretty okay Um, and then of course we get the shocked reveal at the end of uh, as we get in every Spider-Man issue of Miles being shocked about his dad disappearing and then we get the classic kind of Bendis end of issue shocked face and Miles is literally in it for the last page. Um, so, yeah, not Miles heavy, but I like Jefferson and I actually quite enjoyed this issue. I Kind of like we were saying about Spider-Gwen, it's good to be back on track. Do you, would you agree, Brian? Uh, I think so. And 
by the way, pretty good recap. Although I think you meant Hammerhead, not Tombstone. Sorry, yes, Hammerhead, not Tombstone. Yes, sorry, sorry. <laughs> for for whatever it's worth, because they were all fake anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hologram gangster guy. <laughs> Back on yeah, track, yeah. sort of. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what this issue. I mean, one of the sort of stories that I really enjoyed in the previous run was the original Jefferson flashback before he joined uh, shield formally. He kind of got roped in to work as an agent for Nick Fury. And you saw a little bit of certain decisions he had made and why he felt uh, the way he did about heroes and, and that whole thing. So this, the solicit copy made it seem like we'd get back into that. And so to find out that this whole exercise was just that it was just an exercise. It made it feel like a whole, the whole thing was just killing time. Like we just finished the yeah, civil war two stuff. We have this, you know, and I think that's also the the trap with solicits because we already know this miles and Gwen crossover is coming. So this just felt like I got an issue to fill. It's here's a whole water, thing. I that, guess, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly. It. It's like, here's a whole thing that didn't really happen. has zero impact on anything. So yeah, I, I was kind of bummed out reading this. It didn't feel like it quite earned its three ninety nine from me. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, but it was it it made it left a more positive impression on me than the last two issues. I think I'm just so jaded by Civil War Two that anything after that would seem like a a great issue of comics. Maybe I'm a bit biased <laughs> after <laughs> the, the, the traumatic the bar, events. The bar has been lowered. You're saying? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anything above like a three out of ten is now a nine out of ten. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I really like Jefferson, but the kind of the the main problem I had with this, and I mean, going back to to Blackman problems, um, Williams' review on that site, he was talking about how if you you've been following these characters for as long as as we have, and I'm sure some of our listeners have as well, from from the Ultimate Universe and and the you know before the whole kind of Miles coming into the the main Marvel scene, we kind of know this stuff about Jefferson anyway. We know he's been through this kind of stuff and it doesn't necessarily tell us anything because because he doesn't do anything really crazy in this issue he doesn't like suddenly turn against shield or i don't care if like if he ends that simulation scene by shooting miles in the head and saying i don't care about my son or something that would be a big kind of shocking moment but he doesn't do that it doesn't really tell us anything about them i really like the presentation we've got Sarah Pacelli back on the book, which is always good, as much as I've enjoyed Nico Leon and we've talked about how good his work has been. Sarah Pacelli doing these characters is 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 where Miles should be, in my opinion. Um But yeah, it's this kind of like Yeah, as much as I like Jefferson, it is kind of treading water and you get the kind of like I said, the very typical and you brought this up on Twitter the other day, Brian, the typical cliffhanger somebody's on the phone oh my god what's going to happen next thing which is what happened with spider-man and i'm still waiting i think i think we're gonna we're, we're always gonna be waiting on that oh don't please don't don't even <laughs> i love that series so much i thought oh my god wow they're actually gonna do the thing they never said they do and cross them over and, and they did the like oh my god miles morales i can't believe it and peter parker's so shocked about six on six miles morales and then nothing and and you like i said on twitter you you did the quote from brian michael bendis 
of, oh, the first year of Spider-Man, Miles Morales is all about answering that question and finding out what happened after Spider-Man. It's basically a sequel to Spider-Man, guys. Don't worry. And then literally no word. Nothing. No word. Ab- yeah. Absolutely not a, a peep from that entire... No mention of Peter Parker or Mysterio or anything. He met Peter in this in this series and they didn't say a word to each other about that. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, back, back to this one. I absolutely loved the action scenes in this. I thought the black cat looked amazing. Her kind of terrifying claws. Again, she's kind of been crafted into this crime lord kind of character um, in recent years and she's like genuinely intimidating and kind of creepy in this, which I really liked. Um, Hammerhead slash Tombstone, who knows? <laughs> um, um, he kind of looks... I mean, he always looks ridiculous with his giant hammerhead. Um, but at least he kind of looks intimidating. You know, like, there, there's some very cartoony, over-the-top versions of Hammerhead that are kind of a bit silly, and this one feels a bit more grounded and a bit more kind of... Um, genuinely scary for for jefferson to be coming up against no this one was all about the art for me i think Mm. the bulk of the issue is is conversations and that's we've mentioned before that's pretty hard to to do or to carry off and make it still look dynamic and interesting and engaging say that's bendis (laughs) yeah Yeah, right well i mean no surprise there but i mean she she does wonders with it i think that first conversation between dugan and jefferson she does some cool things with splitting the panels so it's like half Mm. Dugan's face and half Jeff's face and then they're aligned at first and it kind of kind of shifts you know as the tone of the conversation shifts and his face is lower and uh, Dugan's is higher stuff like that is great I mean the the art is stunning and I was wondering if Sarah herself made a cameo uh, as the record shop owner the Sarah and the pheasants yeah well she's got yes. the record there but that looks a lot like her it, it actually, does. yes so. I thought that as well yeah but yeah, by the time it does come to the sort of brief uh, action scene at the end, I thought it, it's great. I mean, it's very, it's very, the action when it does happen is very fast and it's shocking and it's quick, you know, where he makes the break for it or, mm. you know, Hammerhead shoots that one guy. That was tense and exciting. And then it's just like the b- balloon just deflates when the sort of hologram effect comes like, like, all right, you passed the test. You know, it's like, what, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what was the point? And what is my real mission? And we never get the answer. And I'm like, um, I'm sure we will in this case. But like I said, when we were talking about Gwen, I assume this is going to get derailed by a crossover because I don't, I, I don't know how they're going to balance having Gwen show up and doing the whole Jefferson thing, kind of like they tried and very much failed to do in Civil War Two. I don't know. I, I'm worried about crossovers at any given moment. I have hope for that one because, like I said, it's kind of the moment this show has been waiting for with those two books. But that I feel that's me being very naive. <laughs> um, and I'm worried that we're like, oh, we're finally getting somewhere. This is basically a setup issue to get the readers kind of caught up with this is where Jefferson is at the moment. And this is what it means for, for Rio and Miles. And this is where it's all kind of going. And then we probably won't get that answer for what four months or whatever which worries me i'm getting the impression you didn't like civil war ii <laughs> where, <laughs> what gave where it away earth did you get that impression jordan i have no idea correct me if i'm wrong i might have just been <laughs> projecting it's almost like i'm a long-term jaded comic book fan who was <laughs> and events and and people just doing stuff for the sake of money um we've um, been hurt anyway. we've been hurt <laughs> um yeah, and like I said, the, the ending of this issue is a bit 
odd, like, oh, we, we kind of got to have Miles in there, I guess, and just chuck him in at the end there and hope for the best. So I don't know if they're moving towards, like, well, is Rio going to find out Miles' secret identity or at least Jefferson's? Mm. I, I assume she will at some point. Because Maria Hill kind of talks about that, and she's like, at some point, you're going to find out. I mean, by Maria, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, she's going to find out, and her as the black cat, it's like, if Rio finds out about Miles and you, that puts her in danger and blah, blah, blah. She's gonna, She now has the every other member of her direct family, apart from her mum, is basically a superhero or a secret ident- has a secret identity at least. So not only have you got Miles' secret to worry about, you now have your own secret to worry about and you're going to absolutely blow her mind and get her in a lot of trouble when she finds out either one, let alone both. So Rio's kind of left in a precarious situation there and I feel like she has to find out at some point, I guess. In the same way that the Mary Janes have kind of found out about the Spider-Gwen, Rio could like sort of find out about Miles, but then I feel it would have to be a big moment. I'm not sure if they could do it in that same way of like, oh yeah, I guess I did see Miles through that guy through a window the other time, and then I guess that's perfectly normal and just not really think about it. I'm imagining when Rio finds out, it's going to be a massive, massive thing. And I don't know what that would mean for Jefferson and Rio's relationship and God forbid if Gloria's there. Whew, she will tear the house down if she's there when <laughs> when Jeff reveals his secret or Miles reveals his secret. I don't know. Then again, I thought the whole thing of uh, Spider-Man being revealed as a person of color would be a whole big thing. And we all saw how that played out. So, Yeah, that one, tubist, one YouTuber <laughs> on a panel said that one thing and then Miles was like, nope. And then that was it. Right. So, we have a black Spider-Man. And he's like, I'm not black Spider-Man. And then we never talked about it again. <laughs> well, we did. We had Luke Cage saying, don't screw up being a black person. I yeah. Guess. Make sure like, you're a good black person because you represent all the black people. It's like, wait, what? No, but, oh, God. Oh, no. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> and this is coming from a white guy, by the way. Yeah. So if you haven't already worked that out. <laughs> um. I mean, to, to 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 kind of we've kind of talked this issue to death because not much happens. Um, Jordan, how, how do you feel about the kind of? Uh, I don't know if you've been sort of kept up to date with how race and the kind of situation, I guess, with Miles and and there's been a lot of thematic imagery and stuff like that. Like, do do you feel kind of how we do, where it's kind of we're going to talk about it. Oh, we don't talk about it. Oh, we're going to talk about it. No, we're going to talk about it. It's like this kind of weird push and pull thing where Bendis keeps saying, like, it's something I'm going to address. And then all the characters are like, but it doesn't matter. He's just a superhero. And then he's like, I'm going to address it. And then I would rather it, I would rather it not address it all than have Bendis address it and be the mouthpiece for, or using a character of color to be his mouthpiece on whole, like the race doesn't, matter issue or i don't want to be a black spider-man i just want to be known as spider-man or anything like like that's i would i would rather him not touch it at all than to touch it and handle it and what i would consider uh poorly yeah yeah that that's pretty much the consensus from pretty much everyone i think <laughs> everyone except him yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah all the all the readers and the fellow podcasters and reviewers and people i've spoken to kind of have a a similar sort of 
feeling about it. I was just checking if you were kind of one of the similar sort of lines as us and and you know our, our co-host Kyle as well and it's, it's this weird thing where I don't know if he's again with the Spider-Man Spider-Men thing is Bendis ever going to address that is he ever going to properly address this and do it the right way or is he just kind of have these moments to kind of throw away and oh here's a big cliffhanger here's a headline about Black Spider-Man and then we'll just leave it at that kind of thing like oh I don't know I don't know I don't know. I feel like I'm getting more and more negative as this show goes on, and I feel quite bad. All bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a three-word summary for Spider-Man number 11. Um, I'm going to kind of, I guess, straddle the fence a little bit and say not quite there. Like, it, it, we're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. Um, Brian, how about you? Uh, I'm going to be a little tougher and just say uh, bait and switch. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ice cold, Brian, ice cold. I mean, that everything from the cover to the copy, solicit copy to the actual plot. I mean, we didn't even talk about the cover, but there was a great thing you mentioned in the um, in the show notes to, to break the fourth wall for the listeners. Um, oh. <laughs> is Miles exploding in that? Why is he glowing? What's going on? Why, why is... Is this super duper venom sting again? Yeah, is he doing that crazy explosion thing he's only ever done once and just never does again because no reason? Um, it's weird. It's weird. And yeah, we should have had the, the big father-son hug moment. We were promised that by the cover. Damn it. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Comic book covers, you strike again. Dun-dun-dun. So yeah, so let's kind of wrap things up. How do you feel these two series have kind of progressed throughout the year. We've had a, a fairly, I mean, apart from the delays, thanks to good old civil war two, we've had a fairly consistent year for these two series and they've been on a pretty regular basis for the most part. And we've had a fair few story arcs and different parts of their kind of universes discovered and talked about and things like that. How do you feel about 2016 as a whole for, for the Spider-Man series and Spider-Gwen series? Overall, I think um, I really enjoyed, I, I thought Gwen had a great year. I think it was a really ambitious year. They tried a lot of cool, big ideas. Um, the Spider-Women crossover was one of those crossovers, as we talked about uh, when we did those shows, was one that actually worked overall, mm. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were a few artistic things happening, um, but overall as a narrative, I thought it was it was, it came off really well. And then the outcome was surprising. And I think generally well executed. It's, it's such an unpredictable yet consistently fun book. Uh, even the stuff like the, the holiday issues. Yeah. I know they didn't work necessarily for you guys, but I, I think it's, it's a book that takes a lot of risks and for the most part they pay off. So Overall, really, really good for that series. Miles, I think, just honestly started off really well. I thought when Bendis was starting to scratch the surface with the Ray stuff, I was really intrigued um, because he hadn't really touched it for Miles in all the years prior. So mm. I thought, okay, he's gonna he's gonna go for it, and I trusted that he would handle it with care. And then uh, mm -hmm. Civil War Two happened, and then <laughs> it just wasn't gonna happen. Um, and then we, you know. I think that certainly for me just kind of magnified my frustrations with that event because it got this very trite wrap up, as we'd mentioned with the whole Luke Cage thing. It, mm. There was such a, 
you know, without getting into all of that again, it was such a like superficial, you know, it, it just didn't feel sincere. Just like, by the way, Spider-Man's a person of color. That's important. Don't screw that up. Like, what the hell? What does that even mean? And then he just zo- zips off. And then it's like, now we'll do the crossover and then come back. And it, it, it was just left dangling. Uh, that, that seemed like a really, I don't want to, not even a missed opportunity, just a botched opportunity. So I, I just felt bad for that. So that said, it had some really beautiful kind of quieter moments. I think when Miles was frustrated uh, about the vloggers comments, that was great. I thought the the one scene with uh, Kamala visiting him in his, in his room when he was mm. grounded, that was beautiful. That was a beautifully rendered uh, and written sequence. That was definitely a highlight of the year for me. But overall, I think uh, Gwen came out on top. I, I pretty much agree with you there. Yeah, I think Gwen is, like you said, it is, it's so much more predictable and takes more risks and I think succeeds in taking those risks basically more than any other book I can think of, especially in mainstream comics in the, in the kind of the big two publishers of Marvel and DC at the moment. Um, Miles feels like he's about to go for some risks and by Miles I mean the series as a whole not necessarily the character it's about to tackle these interesting themes and do these interesting things and they never quite pull the trigger on it whereas I feel you know Jason and Robbie and the team and Chris Visions and Rico Renzi and those guys kind of they, they, I mean Jason talked about it the kind of freedom that they have on that series where him and Robbie will be like hey man do you want to do this thing and they're like yeah sure and they're like Okay, should we ask our editor? And the editor just goes, "Yep, go for it." I'm like, okay, okay, we didn't know we could just do that. Um, I'll be interested to see if, like, how these characters are handled going forward, being written by the other writers. Like, Jason's going to now write about write Miles, and Brian is going to write Gwen, and I'm going to interested to see how they go. But I think Jason Latour and and Robbie have had such a strong year, and yeah, we- Weapon of Choice was was good, but I think Spider-Women has been one of the highlights of the year for me, oddly enough, which is very weird to say about a crossover. Um, yeah, Miles, it, it felt so... Do you, I can't get Civil War 2 out of my brain. I know I'm obsessed. And I, 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 I <laughs> promise, listeners, after this episode, I will never say those words out loud again, I promise. Um, if I do, Brian, you can edit it out, I promise. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think Gwen had a had a really strong year, and Miles is. It, it's nice for him to kind of step up into the spotlight and get the the title of Spider Man. He's not Ultimate Spider Man. He's not all oh, that other Spider Man. He's just Spider Man now, which is it is, is a big deal. And I, I like that he's kind of being hopefully being set up to kind of take the torch from Peter Parker at some point. Um, Jordan, how about you? How do, how do you feel the kind of you know, you're you're more of a Gwen reader. How do you feel 2016 was for for these series and and these characters? As far as Miles, you guys gave me the spark that I needed to catch up on the series. Like, I'm really glad we <laughs> had this conversation. There's no okay, like more of a hopeless like helpless feeling than hearing people talk about these overarching themes with the details and not knowing what the details are. So <laughs> I can't wait to catch up and actually know the specifics of what happened there. So that's going to be what's going to uh, happen at the beginning of 2017 for me is catching up on Miles. <laughs> as far as Gwen is concerned, the series has been great. I completely agree with much of, of what Brian was saying about the series. I think what I think what makes it uh, 
a great series for me is that while it's fun, it does a great job of balancing the fun and the sort of serious depth and drama. So mm-hmm. there's no serious scenes without a hint of comedy sprinkled somewhere in there to help sort of cut it. And there's no, you know, overly silly scenes, uh, maybe with the exception of uh, the, the Thanksgiving issue. But there's no overly silly themes without some character development and depth going involved there too so it it doesn't take itself too seriously and it doesn't go too kooky as to be you know like that that you can't take it seriously or you're not seeing significant character growth so it has a, a great balance and it stays a very fun readable comic that makes you looking forward to the next one so yeah Gwen has been a really great arc. And Jack, I agree. Strangely enough, I was trying to think of what the the highlight would have been for me in Spider-Gwen. And even in the first issue of Spider-Women, I, I wasn't a big fan of it, but it really came into uh, to be a successful series, like to be a successful crossover. Um, Which is a big achievement in and of itself, as we've talked about. Yeah, <laughs> like... Let's let's strike that as a, a really great positive in terms of, you know, obviously we don't have the, 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 the brightest outlook on most crossover events, but that one and that one started off that one started off as being sort of the validation of every fear that we had of crossover events. At least for me. When I first read the the first Spider Women crossover, I was like, Well, this is a clear, you know, gimmick and it's not really gonna go anywhere. They all hated each other in the beginning and there was it was uncomfortable <laughs> reading them because they all just like Spider Woman was sort of the archetypal typical like bashing millennials and young people because she's older and then none of them none of them wanted to share the same space with each other, but then by the end of it they're they were supporting each other and it was it was great. It was a really, really uh, well done crossover by the end. So yeah, that's that's sort of a, a great surprise in that that crossover um, might have been one of my – it at least had several of my favorite moments from Spider-Gwen mm-hmm. in 2016, if not like yeah. my favorite ones. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great ride um, with the trajectory that they're on now with Matt Murdock and Spider-Gwen and her position with him and the inclusion of Cindy. We have a lot to look forward to in this coming year. So really fun series. So that's what we thought of these books, but we'd love to hear what you guys think. You can always connect with us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin, or on our Facebook page at Ultimate Spin Podcast, or head on over to our website at ultimatespinpodcast.com and click on the Talk to Us button. Jordan, thank you very much for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun talking with you guys. So where can we uh, find you online? On Twitter, I am at Jordan M. Calhoun, and at Black Nerd Probs, you should definitely follow us. Um, you can just look for us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, all social media. Just look for Black Nerd Problems and you'll find us there. Cool. How about you, Jack Boy? I am at JLW Chambers on Twitter um, and basically everything else. Um, I also host the Intercomics podcast. Uh, we did an episode last week. Um, well, yeah, last week about um, had Anthony Johnston, the, the guy who has written daredevil for marvel and has written wasteland and all sorts of uh, the fuse is, is one of the books we talked about as well um and his recent graphic novel coldest city really great interview with anthony um on there we've got our patreon exclusive episodes as well we're now on patreon the intercomics podcast if you want to come and support us there you can really um help us out kind of keep the website going and, and keep soundcloud accounts going and things like that um 
I am also doing my best of 2016 for music, films, video games, comics, missing something, something else, TV shows, that was it, and TV shows um, on my website, which is jlwchambers.com. I've kind of revived my blog from a couple of years ago, and I'm writing more stuff in there. So if you want to come and check out my taste in music or my taste in TV shows for some reason, you can check me out there as well. Brian, how about you, sir? Uh, as for me, Twitter, Instagram, other podcasts and various nonsense, uh, all at my hub website at project37.net. That's it for us. But coming up, the crossover that we never saw coming in a million years, Miles and Gwen get together. Spider-Man number 12 and Spider-Gwen number 16. New year, all kinds of new craziness, but we'll catch you soon to try and make sense of it all on the ultimate spin. Ultimate spin.